Well, when it comes to live streaming, what usually comes to mind are issues relating to copyright and copyright infringement. So basically, with copyright, it simply means that a person is protected in terms of a copyright act if they come up with new works that is copyright protected. It can be literary works, musical works, it can be artistic works. So when you create that work, you get copyright protection. Welcome to the Tech Legal Matters podcast by iAfrican Radio. Since 2015, we at iAfrican.com have been doing research and publishing about significant data breaches and leaks across Africa. Some we have reported on publicly, while others were too sensitive and we simply notified the relevant authorities without publicly reporting on them. During the same period, we have also researched and reported extensively on cybersecurity, privacy, and data protection-related matters across Africa. What we have always observed is that not many people and organizations understand the legal implications of the various technologies that they use. In this podcast, we will explore these topics and more, with a specific focus on the intersection of technology and the law, how that affects you as an individual, but also from a business perspective. New episodes of the Tech Legal Matters podcast will be broadcast every Friday. The podcast will also feature analysis, insights, and commentary from attorneys who specialize in information and communications technology law. My name is Defo Mohapi, and I will be your host. Now for a word from our sponsors. Hello, my name is Lucien Pierce, an attorney in South Africa. What I have noticed over the years is that technology continues to challenge the legal system. What I mean is that sometimes laws battle to keep up with the speed at which technology is changing and the various new technologies that are launched. At Pukube Pierce Masitela Attorneys, our team of lawyers all have a passion for information and communications technology law and are well versed in the latest technologies and the laws applicable to them in South Africa. With 15 years of experience as a law firm in South Africa, we specialize in information and communications technology, marketing and advertising, and infrastructure related to these sectors. PPM Attorneys has a long list of satisfied clients and an unblemished record. So visit us at ppmattorneys.co.za and talk to us about all your legal matters related to technology. Live streaming has been around for many years. More recently, it has been made accessible and more popular by various social media platforms such as Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and many others. In simple terms and for the purposes of this podcast, live streaming refers to the ability to broadcast audio and video as it happens. This can be from your mobile device, a computer, or even using more professional equipment and cameras, etc. Basically, it's like having your own media channel. Anytime you want to go live, you can. Hence, it has proved to become so popular with music artists and other professionals in the entertainment industry, especially during the COVID-19 pandemic. However, as it is with any new technology or digital platform, there are legal concerns. Joining me on today's episode of the Tech Legal Matters podcast is Melody Musoni, a legal consultant in Johannesburg, South Africa, who specializes in intellectual property law, data protection, and privacy. Melody, how are you? Hi, Tafo. How are you? 
I'm good. Keeping better, adjusting to the lockdown regulations. Yeah, we all are trying our best, hey? Yeah. Now, talking of live streaming, and as we've seen, it's become popular, especially considering music DJs, music artists, and the entertainment and media industries in general during this period. What are some of the legal challenges that could be faced? Well, when it comes to live streaming, what usually comes to mind are issues relating to copyright and copyright infringement. So basically with copyright, it simply means that a person is protected in terms of a copyright act if they come up with new works that is copyright protected. It can be literary works, musical works, it can be artistic works. So when you create that work, you get copyright protection. Now, when you are live streaming, the dangers that come into play is, say you are a DJ and you are playing people's music. If you don't have a license to play someone's music, then you'll be infringing that person's copyright in musical works. The same applies, maybe you are conducting a podcast like what we are doing and we have background music that's playing. And if we don't, again, have uh, a license to use the songs that we play in the background of a podcast or a webinar, then we will be infringing on someone else's copyright work. The same applies where people are performing. I've noticed that so many churches are also live streaming, especially now that everyone is under lockdown. And if you are performing a music video or if you are performing someone's work, that is also considered to be infringing someone else's uh, copyright. So when we ca- when it comes to uh, live streaming, the first issue that pops to mind is the issue of copyright infringement. But that's not the issue of copyright is not the only issue that uh, the only legal issue that pops up when we are dealing with uh, live streaming. We also have issues to do with privacy and potentially infringing on someone else's uh, privacy rights. But we can discuss this uh, as we go on with our discussions. Okay. Another a phrase or term I've heard being mentioned, and I heard you mention copyright. I want to understand in terms of South African law, what's the difference between copyright and intellectual property? Okay, so intellectual property is the umbrella term of different types of intellectual property. So what intellectual property simply means is any intangible property that has been created by a person using their intellect or using their mind. And within this broad umbrella of intellectual property, we have different types such as copyright. Another type of intellectual property that's protected under our laws would be trademarks, also have patents and we also have designs. So intellectual property is the overall umbrella term of different types of intellectual property and copyright just one type of intellectual property. Ah, that makes it easier. So intellect, when, I, when, I, when I mention intellectual property or IP, as it's sometimes abbreviated, I would be talking about all those things, copyright, yes. trademarks, etc. Yes. And then I also want to add that, uh, therefore, some people, they 
get confused. They, they think that the, the only four types of intellectual property is trademarks, copyrights, patents, and designs. But in addition to this, we also have other types of intellectual property. You can't really register these types of intellectual property, but they exist. So that includes things like trade secrets or know-how. If you, if you are a business and you have a certain way of doing business, that information is confidential information and it can also be categorized as intellectual property. And also we have in South Africa what we call plant breeders rights. So with plant breeders rights, basically, if you come up with a new uh, breed of a plant, maybe it's a tomato or a, a pepper or maize plant that is a new breed, you can actually get protection over that particular plant breeder. And uh, that would be considered as a plant breeder rights. And then another unique type of intellectual property, again, that's recognized in our law, is a property called traditional knowledge. So traditional knowledge, it simply means a body of knowledge that is passed from generation to generation within a community. And in South Africa, the most uh, common or the most popular type of traditional knowledge we know is rooibos. People have been using the rooibos plants for generations and that knowledge has been passed from one generation to the other. So in terms of the intellectual property amendment laws that we have, such type of traditional knowledge is also protected as a form of intellectual property. Now, you mentioned something very interesting. You mentioned that outside of the four intellectual property sort of uh, verticals that you mentioned. There's also additional one. You mentioned four others. Know-how, plant breeder rights, traditional knowledge. Now, yes. going back to the topic of live streaming, currently many people, and it's become popular to run online meetings like we are doing now recording the podcast, but they run these for either their internal company meetings or sales meetings or whatever kind of business meetings. Now, what rights, even IP rights, because I want to understand how, how does this know-how element of intellectual property apply to such meetings where perhaps maybe somebody decides, for instance, because you have these chat boxes on, on live streaming where people talk and share company information or even recording audio. How does IP protection work? Are people allowed just because they were part of a meeting to, say, to share the contents of that meeting? So what happens with confidential, confidential information such as trade secrets and know-how is the best way that a business can protect that information is to put in place uh, confidentiality clauses in agreements or non-disclosure agreements. So when it comes to know-how and trade secrets, what happens is that if you are having a live, say live streaming or an online meeting, you are still bound by the confidentiality clauses of a non-disclosure agreement that you would have signed. So even if it's employees who are having a live stream or, a, or an online meeting, or if it's a business that's having an online meeting with third parties or service providers, the service providers or the employees are still bound by the confidentiality clauses in terms of the non-disclosure agreement. So simply because you are having a, a meeting online doesn't necessarily mean that you do away with your obligations in terms of the non-disclosure agreement. You're still bound by the non-disclosure agreement. That being said, 
when it comes to other forms of intellectual property like copyrights and, and, and trademarks and you are having a live streaming, you still need to ensure that the content in your live streaming is not infringing on a third party's copyright or is not infringing on a third party's trademark rights. So it just depends on a case-by-case -case situation. The content of your live stream should not actually infringe on the intellectual property rights of someone else. So when it comes to live streaming, there's obviously issues around privacy, or do they not apply in this case, whether it's for entertainment purposes or for internal business meetings? So definitely uh, issues to do with privacy apply and more so when you are live streaming. And I know that we all enjoy our right to privacy and that's right to be left alone. However, the moment that we have stepped out of our houses to come to the office, that right that we enjoy is actually limited. So the same can be said when someone is live streaming. I want to give uh, examples uh, uh, that I've noticed recently is people are actually live streaming. Maybe they are going to do grocery shopping. They are live streaming and sharing their experiences. So in that instance where you are just live streaming, probably how you are doing your shopping during lockdown, and in you taking or filming that uh, video, you end up uh, taking videos of people maybe that you meet in a supermarket. So in that setup or in that sense, though it's a live stream video and there are people that are in that video, that's acceptable. So it would be a different issue where someone, they are doing a live streaming but they are focused on documenting other people or maybe you are filming other people. You want to see people's shopping habits during lockdown and what kinds of food they actually buy under lockdown. And your live streaming or your filming is focused on specific people, say, within a supermarket. So in that case, though a supermarket is a public space, it's still an infringement of someone else's privacy and their privacy rights. And in that case, you actually need to get consent. And that's where now issues to do with the Protection of Personal Information Act higher and its requirement will kick in. So as a general rule, you are allowed to live stream as long as it's focusing on you or you have consent of people around you that you are actually broadcasting. At the moment that you are live streaming and you are focusing on other people and you don't actually have their consent, then that becomes a privacy infringement and an issue that you actually need to consider. So in essence, if, if I feel that somebody is somehow trying to either follow me with a video and they, or anyway, even if it's in a public space, I have the right to tell them to stop because they don't have my consent. Exactly. If you see that someone is filming, it's, it's like someone is taking a photo in public. You can't really say, stop taking a photo because I may end up being in that photo. The same with the video. But if you can see that the person is intentionally taking a video or filming you, as a subject, then you have a right to actually approach them and say, no, you, you cannot be filming me. Now for a word from our sponsors. Hello, 
My name is Lucien Pierce, an attorney in South Africa. What I have noticed over the years is that technology continues to challenge the legal system. What I mean is that sometimes laws battle to keep up with the speed at which technology is changing and the various new technologies that are launched. If you are experiencing this challenge, our lawyers at PPM Attorneys all have a passion for information and communications technology law and are well versed in the latest technologies and the laws applicable to them in South Africa. Visit us at ppmattorneys.co.za and talk to us about all your legal matters related to technology. Now, in terms of live streaming and protecting ones uh, and businesses and individuals protecting their intellectual property rights, what are the options available? So um, from a practical point of view, I would say that the very best thing to do is that before you even think of live streaming, take time to actually familiarize yourself, especially with copyright policies and notices of the platform that you intend to use. So if you want to live stream on Facebook, Familiarize yourself with Facebook's copyright notices and copyright policies. If you are using YouTube, familiarize yourself with YouTube's uh, copyright notices and policies. That way you understand more about your options should a situation arise where you are live streaming and maybe your video is being flagged for copyright infringement. And then if you have familiarized yourself with all these platforms that are available. The other thing that you can do is if you know you are going to live stream and in my live stream, I want to play, say, show my Joseph's song in the background. The best thing that you can do is go and get a license to use copyrighted works. And here in South Africa, we have different or types of uh, corporate, uh, copyright licensing bodies. We have uh, bodies like SAMPRA, which stands for the South African Performance uh, Music Performance Rights Association. We have uh, CAPASO, which stands for Composers, Authors and Publishers Association. We also have SAMRO, which stands for Southern African Music Rights Organization. So if you're not sure how to go about getting a license to to you to probably a license relating to a music video or a license relating to a song, you can actually approach these uh, copyright licensing bodies. You can go on their website, you get more information, they can guide you in getting relevant licenses that you need. And then another option would be to make your own content. It's that easy. If instead of you relying on other people's music, instead of you relying on other people's videos, you can actually create your own content. If it's a business, you can come up with your own uh, skits that you can actually use to demonstrate a point. That way, you know you are not going to be infringing on anyone's copyright. You're not going to be infringing on anyone's trademarks or, or the case may, as the case may be. Okay. One important point you mentioned is about platform or digital platform copyright policies. What I do know is uh, all the platforms that allow live streaming, your YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, do have some form or another of, of copyright policies, whether they relate to copyrighted works being used in live streams, or also why I want to ask this question, sometimes they mention something like 
they are allowed to use your photos or your videos that you live stream as they see fit. Is that a concern that people should really be worried about? I think it's basically protruding from a business interest point of view. I know with Facebook, uh, when you read their terms of service or terms and conditions, they, there's a section where they say they actually have exclusive rights to your videos or to your photos. It's simply for from a business uh, interest point of view. I don't think in practice Facebook can come and say, okay, I own your intellectual property, I own the photographs that you uploaded on on Facebook or YouTube will come in the future and say, we own the copyright in the content that you uploaded on our platform. So I think maybe the best way would be to actually go read the terms of uh, service or the terms and conditions to actually understand what each platform uh, says regarding to copyright and intellectual property ownership. Okay, now just as we wrap up, what are the other ways that uh, the technologies and digital platforms and the internet in general, what effects in general do they have on intellectual property rights? So um, in as much as we are excited about all these digital technologies, as we are excited about uh, the internet, it has actually brought the good and the bad uh, in the sense that um, with ICTs and all these technologies, uh, you are now able to actually, if you are an artist, you are now able to actually target the whole world as your target market. So instead of just focusing on South Africa, you can go on Facebook. You can go on any social media platform and you can target anyone in the world thanks to all these technologies and thanks to the internet. And at the same time, if you look at people in schools now with e-learning, the issue of sharing of knowledge itself has actually been improved. And it's now easier for me to access a book in, in digital format so I can read an ebook at the same time 100 people are still reading the same book so gone are the days where we actually had to go to the libraries to get a, to queue to get one textbooks one textbook now you can do everything online which is a good thing but at the same time that being said there are so many advantages as well as disadvantages when it comes to uh, ICTs in the uh, intellectual property space. Uh, two examples that I can give is the issue of piracy and the issue of what we call uh, cyber squatting. So what happens is that um, with piracy, I know especially software piracy, it's becoming uh, very prevalent now because everyone is migrating and they are they are in the process of digital transformation. So you realize that many businesses are forced to actually buy software for this purpose or buy software for that purpose. And these uh, software packages, they don't come cheap, cheap to, uh, to for their expensive. And, and at the end of the day, if a business has been hard hit like by the recession, by COVID-19 and the lockdown, chances are they're actually tempted to go for the pirated or the counterfeit software. So that in itself is a problem that is being presented because we now have the internet on all these ICTs that can be used to manipulate 
someone's uh, intellectual property. I know back in the day, we used to go to Hillbro to buy CDs and to buy copyrighted CDs back in my university yes. days. Yes. Now, I don't need, now I don't need to do all of that. A person can just go online. There are so many softwares available to circumvent security systems to allow a person to download music, to download movies. So you see, we have technology that is being used for the wrong reasons. So instead of technology empowering people, it's being used to steal from these artists because the artist is not going to get any royalties at the end of the day because I've downloaded music for free. So you see, when it comes to issues of piracy and software piracy, it's going to negatively impact on intellectual property rights owners. And then another example, therefore, that I can give that's yeah. actually also prevalent is the example of cyber squatting. So you see, we live in a very connected world. We know who is most influential. We know who is likely to be elected president in America, in China, wherever, because of the interconnectedness that we are living in. So what happens with uh, cyber squatters is that they're always on the hunt to look for potential businesses or people that they can use their intellectual property, particularly their trademarks, to register domain names. So in South Africa, our domain name system runs on a first-come, first-served basis. So if yes, you hadn't registered, yes, so if you hadn't registered iAfrican as a domain name, I could go and register it as a domain name. The next thing, when you want the actual uh, legitimate owner of the trademark now wants to register the domain name, they are actually not able to do so. Why? Because there is a cyber squatter. So what these cyber squatters do is they are actually uh, taking advantage of existing trademarks, especially well-known trademarks. We're talking here on Zoom. If Zoom has not yet uh, registered its trademarks in South Africa, anyone can actually go and register their trademark here in South Africa. And at the same time, they can actually create a domain name here in South Africa. So at the point when Zoom now wants to come to South Africa to register the trademark, it's taken. To register the domain name, it's taken. So you see, these are some of the tactics that people are using online, but it's actually to the detriment of trademark owners and people actually on intellectual property. So you are saying in terms of South African law, there is no recourse if I own, let's say, some intellectual property, a copyright, a trademark on a name, and somebody else registers the, the domain name according to our domain name system. So what happens is that in the event that the legitimate owner or the actual trademark owner of the trademark comes to South Africa and they want to register a domain name, you need to take your dispute before the uh, South Africa's .za domain name or ZADNA, which is the organization yes. that's responsible to uh, hearing issues or disputes relating to domain names. So if you have an issue with someone's domain name, maybe it constitutes your trademark, you can actually go before ZADNA and you can have your the whole arbitration process are held by ZADNA. So that's one way of doing it. And also another way of doing it is it's also a trademark infringement. 
because the domain name consists of someone else's trademark. It's their intellectual property. So they are, yeah, so, so they can still go to court and actually apply to court to have you either to hand over the domain name to you or to stop using that domain name, whatever the remedies they want to, to pursue. So simply because someone has registered your domain name, a domain name in South Africa that constitutes or consists of someone else's trademark doesn't mean that the trademark owner has no right, has no rights. They still have rights and they can still actually bring legal action against any cyber squatter. But I would imagine that attracts uh, resources like time, hiring attorneys, etc. So it's much better that you register your domain when you need to. Yes. So in practice, so that's one of the reasons why these uh, cyber squatters are doing this. It's actually profitable business. Imagine if I register Zoom as a domain name in South Africa. Zoom has no time to be going to court, to be going before arbitration and Zadna just to fight over a domain name. They can actually come to me and make me an offer and I can sell the domain name to them. So at the end of the day, it's about financial reasons. The cyber squatter knows that, especially with these big companies, if they don't have presence in South Africa, chances are they are actually going to negotiate and enter into a settlement agreement, which is at the end of the day, why they do cyber squatting. This is very interesting. And I hope that uh, our listeners uh, have got some insights as far as the legal issues around uh, live streaming and other digital issues are concerned. Is there any more insights you'd like to share or advice you'd like to share with our listeners? So the other thing uh, that I just wanted to point out when we talk about uh, live streaming uh, relates to there is a piece of uh, legislation called the Films and Publications Amendment Act. It was introduced towards the end of 2019, if I'm, if I'm correct. So what that piece of uh, legislation does or says is that um, it requires distributors of films or games to register with the Films and Publication Board. Now, when you look at the definition of film, and when you look at the definition of distribute in terms of this uh, piece of legislation, it includes or consists of actions or activities that is usually done by bloggers when they are live streaming or by anyone when they are live streaming because they define a film as a sequence of visual images recorded in a manner that uh, by using such recording, such images would be capable of being seen as a moving picture. So if I'm taking a video of myself or what I'm doing, I'm actually creating a film. And in terms of the Films and Publications Amendment Act, I need to register with the Films and Publication Board, which now becomes a tricky issue if you are live streaming, because in order for you to register, you need to submit your content and they can rate your content. You know, that's where we have those age restrictions and the, the, the ratings that they use or the classifications that they use, be it PG-13 or R-18, whatever the case may be. But if it's going to be live streaming, how are you going to apply for prior approval for a live stream? So you see it becomes a challenge and people have been actually um, 
arguing to say that this piece of legislation, it's either we need to amend it so as to make sure that we make provision for live streaming, because what it essentially does is it's covering other online streaming, like when you stream using Netflix or Showmax and not necessarily live streaming. So there is a challenge in our law that with live streaming, you can't really go to the Films and Publication Board to get prior approval because you don't have that content yet. So that being said, uh, therefore, the other thing that I also want to add is that uh, in terms of this Films and Publication uh, Amendment Act, you are also required not to share or publish certain content. So if it's content that involves child pornography and you're doing your live streaming, that's an offense in terms of this piece of legislation. So you see that uh, the Films and Publication Amendment Act also prohibits the sharing of revenge porn or non-consensual uh, pornography, be it videos, be it films, you're not allowed to actually share that even if you're live streaming. And also, if you are sharing, say, content that depicts sexual violence or violence against children, that again cannot be uh, published on your live stream. So even if there are issues, technical issues on whether you qualify or you need to register with the Films and Publication Board, you as a blogger or if you are live streaming, you are not allowed to share any content on these issues. You can't share content on child pornography. You sh can't share content on uh, non-consensual pornography. You can't share content on uh, sexual violence and violence against children. So the Films and Publication Amendment Act is still of application even when you are live streaming. So at least there are some protections because it sounds like there's a definition issue in terms of what it means to have a live stream because according to how you've explained it from the Films and Publications Amendment Act, it sounds like they're defining, as you said, live streaming to be things like Netflix and Showmax. Yes. So the definition, again, they, the Films and Publication Amendment Act itself, it doesn't define live streaming. It only defines streaming. So the way it defines streaming, uh, let me see if I can quickly read the definition. Uh, no problem. So it defines streaming as the delivery of films by an online distributor or broadcaster, including online streaming, or downloading of films and catch-up services that enable time-shifted viewing of a film online to the end user and on an online delivery medium, including the internet. So the first part where it says that the delivery of films by an online distributor or broadcaster, that essentially covers live streaming. That's why I say that there is a technical issue on Actually, how do you go about getting that prior approval from the uh, Films and Publication Board before you go live? Because you, if you are, say, maybe a social media influencer and you just want to go online to go live on Facebook and speak to your fans, you don't have content. So you can't necessarily go to the Films and Publication Board to get that prior approval. That makes sense. So it's going to be an interesting couple of months, I guess, trying to get that. Or do you think, in, in, in your opinion, it should, it's fine as it is as far as live streaming is concerned, that there are 
there are enough protections for intellectual property and all sorts of other legal issues? I think at the moment, we don't really need to have the definition of live streaming on. We don't really need to focus on uh, bloggers or just general people who may want to live stream to necessarily get this prior approval from the Films and Publication Board. Because at the end of the day, anyone with a smartphone can actually live stream. So the act in itself has already listed content that you can't have in your live stream. So just try to stay away from content that's actually uh, not prohibited. Stay away from child pornography, stay away from sexual violence against children and things like that. Then you'll be covered, as well as other issues to do with copyright that we've discussed and privacy issues. Then at the end of the day, I think we don't need to do much. Melody Musoni, thank you very much for your time. This was quite an insightful uh, interview. And I think I myself also, working with content, learned quite a bit as far as intellectual property goes in South Africa. Thank you very much. And thank you for having me. To all our listeners, thank you for joining us. And also just a note, as always, as much as we discuss tech legal matters, uh, the recordings here do not constitute legal advice. Should you seek legal advice, contact your attorney alternatively get in touch with PPM attorneys. Thank you. Remember to tell your friends, family, and colleagues that the show is available to listen for free on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Deezer, or any other app that you use to listen to podcasts. Also, make sure to head over to www.iafrican.com forward slash radio. That is www.iafrikan.com forward slash radio and subscribe to get notified on new episodes of the Tech Legal Matters podcast and any other iAfrican radio shows. Stay safe on the web.